Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut or shortened due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listening colour in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Good morning. This is Jazz Shapers here on Jazz FM. I'm Elliot Moss. Hello. How are you this morning? Jazz Shapers is the place, I hope you know, where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul. And right alongside them, we also put someone in who is shaping the world of business. And we call them business shapers. Our business shaper is usually someone who's defined their way of doing things and also has a fabulous story to tell. And I'm really pleased to say my business shaper today is Craig Birkinshaw. Craig is a man who got the travel bag early on in life. And after self-diagnosing himself with travel cravings, he's not the only one, he co-founded the high-end travel company Audley Travel back in 1996. They provide tailor-made tours, luxury holidays and safaris to over 80 destinations worldwide, including the fantastic Antigua, Botswana, Costa Rica, India, Mauritius, I'm going to carry on just a bit longer, and the Seychelles, all created by what they call country specialists. Hello, and thank you for coming. Hi, how are you doing? All right, how are you? Good, thanks, yeah. Tell me where your head was way back in the 90s when you decided that not only were you going to, well, you love travel, tell me about why you love travel, but then you decided to set up a business. A lot of travellers I know are just kind of, they've got wanderlust, so they want to get on with it, but you decided to focus that love and, and create a business out of it. Yeah, yeah, I'd spent all my um, all my savings travelling around the world and been to Vietnam in the early 90s, so uh, <clears throat> I got back to the UK and was saving up for another trip but didn't have any cash. Um, and I just thought one day if I uh, operate uh, some trips to Vietnam and try and find a few people who are prepared to go with me, maybe I can get to go to Vietnam and split my expenses with those guys and everything and uh, and see what happens with that. So I so I tried it with the Sunday Times advert and uh, four people uh, luckily sort of signed up and uh, things kicked off from there. And that first trip um, made money, lost money, broke even? Uh, it deliberately break even. I just split my expenses, so like four or five hundred pounds each or something for the four people on it, and uh, uh, we did it at cost and uh, just went for it. Really, it was uh, yeah, there was no intention of making a profit or anything. It was just for a bit of interest, really. Uh, and and after that first trip, what made you think, you know, what I can do this again? I want to do this again because most people go, well, that was a nice time, thank you very much, and now I'll go and start the rest of my life doing something less interesting than the thing I really love to do. Yeah, yeah, I'd really enjoyed it. Um, you're only. 22 or so something like that and they uh i uh, was looking at uh, trying to get a job in the city so go and work in the city and uh, 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 be a stockbroker or something not really very excited by that so the idea of uh, just uh, placing a few more adverts and seeing if i could get a few more people to go on trips and just sort of roll with it a little bit was uh, the way i went with it and just for perspective for those people that don't know um now we go into 2016 17 this is a business that employs over 700 people if my numbers are correct, yep, something like that. Uh, a bit something like that. A business that's in excess of two hundred million turnover. A business that's been bought by private equity, I think, once and then again. You've transformed your passion into something that became, you know, the centre of your working life. Uh, yeah, yeah, it wasn't really planned. <laughs> As I say, I was supposed to end up working in the city of London, but never made it. Still not there. Um, yeah, it was. I just. Somebody called me up one day. I was doing little group trips and everything, just playing with it. And then uh, a BA pilot, uh, Rolf Richardson, rang me one day and he said, can you put together some tailor-made arrangements in Vietnam, cars, guides and bits of things? And, yeah, yeah, I can do that. So uh, that was the first tailor-made. Um, 
put that together for him and then started to do more and more of those for people. Uh, Rolf has just stopped travelling with Audley because he's, uh, he sent me an email the other day, actually. Uh, he's done 15 trips, just been to Taiwan. Um, and he said, I'm just too old for the long haul now. I can't uh, can't do that, Craig. But uh, uh, so, yeah, my first ever person I ever dealt with um, was is still, well, while still travelling with us until weeks ago. And the tipping point, when did you go, hold on a second, actually, this is more than just me organising a few trips. When did you start to have to employ people? How many years in? When it became a you know a bigger a bigger entity, um, I got somebody to help me within the first first few weeks because uh, you can rapidly get bogged down in all the admin and everything. So uh, um, I, I I did something on that very very early on because uh, I could easily see how if you uh, you just try and do everything yourself and don't delegate etc., then you're going to get tied up very quickly. So uh, I've always been uh, uh, a pretty good delegator, I think. Probably over delegate actually. I'm a little bit uh, I go too early. Well, I don't know. It sounds like you've done all right so far. Stay with me for much more insight from my business shape today. That's Craig Birkinshaw. He didn't have a plan. We'll see how much he sticks to that. It looks like he probably didn't. He's, 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 he's shaking his head. He really, he really didn't have a plan. And yet there he is now um, doing other interesting things. My talented, successful and very laid back uh, business shape today is Craig Birkinshaw, co-founder of Audley Travel back in 96. It was a trip with a few people. Here we are 20 and a bit years later, uh, and it's... Well, it's grown enormously. Now, your attitude towards what you did is obviously you love traveling. Um, tell me about the buzz for that. When did you realize you, you wanted to just go and see the world? Because I love traveling too, but people are different. What made it important for you? Uh, while I was at university, I uh, always had a plan to to finish and then go and try and do it uh, around the world trip for a, for a year and go to places like India and Nepal and stuff like that. Uh, the pivotal bit on that trip that changed things was we arrived in Thailand and uh, it was just at the point when Vietnam was opening up to tourism so we managed to get visas to go to Vietnam very few people were going there you had to get uh, police permits to go all around the country it was basically it was quite exciting uh, went there had an amazingly uh, interesting month there carried on finished the trip through the South Pacific and Australia and all the more sort of uh, standard places and then got back to the UK and we uh, just got the bug for it really I started saving for a, an overland trip we were going to go uh, through Turkey, into Iran, uh, up into Pakistan, through the Karakoram Highway, into, uh, into Western China. Uh, and it was while I was just sort of saving up for that trip, doing a temp job one day that I uh, decided to uh, to have a go at doing the Vietnam trip for people. And what was the buzz when you got into Vietnam in those early days? Because again, there's there's tons of history around it. But for you specifically, do you remember it evoked a certain feeling? What, what was going? Was it the newness of it? Was it the difference of it? What exactly was it back then, if you can cast your mind back? Yeah, I think it was just that simple excitement of the unknown. Very few people were going there. It's a place that was, uh, I was sort of born in 1970, so I don't really have it's memories of Vietnam great year, War, by the way. <laughs> the best year ever, Craig. Ever, <laughs> yeah, ever, ever, ever. Absolutely. I, yeah, I believe that. Yeah. Um, so in the 80s, Vietnam was still sort of in the news, lots of films and all that kind of thing. So everybody uh, had feelings about Vietnam and thoughts about Vietnam, but nobody actually knew what was going on there. I remember the boat people and everything from the news in the late sort of 70s and stuff like that. So uh, you mentioned the word Vietnam and everybody would react to it. It's not something that people uh, didn't have uh, any knowledge of. So going there with that sort of mysterious uh, place and all those things that had been going on was uh, just in, in incredibly sort of interesting and exciting. You said you didn't have a plan, um, and I and I buy that. I know what you mean, but that, obviously you you must have realised at a at a point quite early on in the first few years that this could be quite a a structured business and a business with scale. How did you ensure you had the right people around you to make that so? Because they're critical moments, aren't they? Those first few years in a business. 
Yeah, the first few years we were uh, uh, we were on a, a very tight budget. We didn't basically didn't have any money, so uh, we were based out of Northampton in an old granny flat above a post office, sleeping on the floor in the attic, and then working on the next floor down. So everything was pretty tight. You know, I think it's really important to know that because again, you look at this size, two hundred million pound plus business, seven hundred eighty people, this stuff. The reality was right then it wasn't easy at all, and you made personal sacrifices. Yeah, yeah, it's very, uh, very, very, very tight. We had very little savings. We. Uh, Spent uh, had money use overused credit cards and things like that to uh, to help finance the uh, the first brochure and to get things going and to put those adverts into uh, into the newspapers. So, and, yeah, it was ultra tight. Yeah, and then that bit where it does become a bit more formal and you go, you're not you're not doing that anymore. Do you remember how you felt when you thought, hold on a minute, this is real, this is doing all right, I'm okay here. Yeah, I can remember when we hit uh, a million pounds of sales and, uh, and and things were starting to come together. Uh, people people coming back from the trips really enjoying them. They were sort of uh, liking the way we approach things, which was uh, to me pretty much common sense. Really, we were we were just trying to make an effort to have some time for the customer, listen to them, uh, check what they really really wanted, uh, make sure we knew what we're talking about. Because uh, if they know what they want, but you don't you don't know your uh, your subject, then you then you're in trouble. And um, we just tried to sort of work on those uh, quite simple problems really, and, uh, and make sure that we were. Uh, in a good place to, to answer them and deliver what people uh, properly tailored trips for people. And at that point, before we just go in, into some uh, words of advice for, for everyone else's business, not yours at the moment, um, what was the buzz when you hit that million? Apart from the money, which I'm sensing is not that important to you, was the buzz that you were pleasing people and they were getting they were giving you fantastic feedback? Yeah, for me, it was uh, the challenge was was to do a good job of it. I I, I was interested in the in the money and because uh, 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 breaking even is not very you can't go for very long. It's a bit of a, a bit of a stressful game, so uh, getting things into reasonable shape is a is a good idea. Uh, the buzz was I, I was aiming at, at awards and, and winning and wanting to be the best sort of thing really. So uh, uh, so quite competitive in that in that respect. So uh, yeah, so we were we were aiming to to win things eventually. And I think the the Wonderlust Award was the first one we won, and that was a, a massive a massive thrill. Stay with me to find out how my adventurous, uh, thrill-seeking business shaper has built this business up into the place it is, and also the other things that um, that Craig is now also doing. Uh, lots more coming up from him, but first, as I mentioned earlier, some words of advice for your business from our programme partners at Mishkondorea. Hello, my name is Derville Walsh. I'm a partner in the contentious banking and finance practice at Mishkondorea. I specialise in banking disputes predominantly working for borrowers or customers who have issues with their banks or difficulties with their banks. Two practical tips I would give to all customers who engage with their banks are one, firstly, when starting a relationship with a bank, uh, particularly when securing funding, it's absolutely critical for borrowers to get professional help, whether it's from accountants or lawyers, to ensure that the terms of any lending are not very, very disadvantageous from the borrower's perspective and advantageous from the perspective of the bank. A second tip I would give to all customers or borrowers dealing with banks is to take notes of all sorts of communications or any engagement with the bank. In some cases, people have good relationships with their relationship manager and it can be relatively informal. So a lot can be done on the phone. In any situation where the bank gives an undertaking or makes a promise and that is communicated by a relationship manager over the phone, that should be documented by the borrower slash customer so that if there is a situation in the future where there is a dispute about that, that record can be produced and it can remove all doubt as to what was or wasn't agreed. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. 
I hope you're enjoying today's programme here on Jazz FM. There are lots more ways that you can hear this programme, plus hundreds of my former guests on the show. You can just ask Alexa to play Jazz Shapers, and there you can hear many of the recent programmes, including today's after 10am. Or if you pop Jazz Shapers into iTunes, you'll get the full archive of programmes to enjoy. And, of course, if you are on a British Airways flight in the future to or from the United States, you can enjoy us on the in-flight BA High Life service as well. But right here, right now, firmly on the ground, although he is a traveller, it's Craig Birkinshaw, and he's the co-founder of uh, Orderly Travel, uh, the small business that was then, that is no longer a small business, that hopefully delivers on what its travellers want. And, and Craig, we were talking about that buzz. And interestingly, when I didn't expect you to say that, you, there's one thing pleasing people. There's another thing you talk about this... This competitive streak. What I haven't picked up so far is that, and I guess I'd be probably naive of me to think that here in front of this super successful guy is someone who isn't competitive. Where, if you are competitive, where does that come from, do you think? Why? Because some people are, some people aren't. Uh, I don't know. I think um, I think in most areas of life I'm, I'm pretty relaxed, but then you take certain things you just take seriously and you want to do them re- really well. So uh, setting up a business and the structures, processes and everything around that, that whole thing is quite a, quite a challenge. Uh, I was pretty uh, sloppy at university. I didn't really. I lost interest. What did you uh, study? Uh, economics. Uh, I was quite into economics until eighteen, but uh, I went to the London School of Economics. Had some of the best lecturers in the world and everything, and I just sort of lost interest a little bit. And I realised that the entrepreneurial side and everything was was more for me. I was doing stuff when I was a kid, buying and selling spectrums and old computers and all ah. that. I, I was always up to stuff. So. Yeah, you see, now it emerges. <laughs> that it was would have been called the ZX eighty two, but the Spectrum was a much better name for it. Uh, yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. That, yeah, funny yeah, that I used yeah. to have a ZX. We are we were born in the same, which is why I was obviously saying nice. Oh right, okay. Cool. It wasn't just that I was <laughs> being very nice to my guest. That there was a reason. Um, but it, and and it's it started young by the sounds of it. Again, I want. I'm interested in this next phase. So the million quid happened. The buzz is going on and all that. And then often businesses get stuck and they plateau. Why did you not plateau? Where did this big scale-up thing happen? How do you think you pulled it off? Uh, Well, I think that's where the economics and the math comes in a little bit. So while I was uh, quite casual about it, I I was very aware of what the numbers were doing and how how I think it needs to be structured to make it work. Uh, and businesses like this, you want to keep the the clients happy and everything, but they, at the end of the day, they need to run on uh, on happy clients and people coming back and telling all the mates. That's uh, that's what it's all about. And in order to facilitate that and keep that going and to make it work, you've got to keep adding adding new destinations and things because uh, you know, they might they might love Vietnam, but if they want to go to Peru next and you don't offer that, uh, then uh, then you're stuck. So. Uh, I very much realised that we needed to add the same expertise in other areas of the other areas of the world. So we we started to uh, uh, employ people gradually as we found experts in different areas of the world. We brought them in and uh, and built those areas. Your team and that team then, as you think about as you go back in time a little bit, how would they describe you? Do you think what kind of person is Craig? Was Craig then as he was hands on and building this business right in front of them? Oh, uh, that's a dangerous question. Um, very I think sort of quite relaxed, but uh, fundamentally quite serious about wanting to get it right. So uh, uh, I think I can come over as more relaxed than I actually am. Mm. So when it comes to uh, things like brochure production or the details of things, I'm actually, On I it. think, reasonably perfect perfectionist. And I like things to be uh, pretty much spot on. Yeah. I mean, things go wrong, though, don't they, in terms of trips all the time, having traveled a lot. And I lived in India for a couple of years, lived in Mexico for a couple of years, too. Inevitably, there's only so much you can do, but there's an infrastructure. And if the infrastructure breaks down... How does the perfectionist handle failure? How does the perfectionist handle problems? What did you do to inculcate the the right attitude for the team across the world? Right. Okay. Well, well, in in travel, you you're inevitably working with lots of different cultures and different ideas, and it's a uh, uh, there's a lot of subjectivity in what people people like and and understanding that and delivering it. 
uh, yeah, so things do go wrong. It's not a, a game where you can produce uh, produce perfection. I think one of the main things you've got to get right is if somebody's not enjoying something, uh, uh, take them seriously. Don't just assume that they're up to something or being sneaky. Uh, uh, listen to them. They're, they're on, on, on. They're traveling. They probably don't want to waste time. Uh, fix it first and ask questions later. Has always been my approach to to things like uh, when things go wrong. Stay with me for my fix it first, ask questions later. I like that. I'm going to steal that if that's okay. It's sort, uh, yeah. of, it's, it's sort of obvious, isn't it? But people forget to do the basics in customer service. Uh, they completely forget to do the basics in customer service. Everybody knows the theory, but uh, that's then the they turn up on Monday morning and they fail to deliver on it. So, yeah. no. Stay true. with me for much more from Craig, my business show, Craig Birkinshaw, uh, co founder at Audley Travel. Time for more music right now. This is Mel Torme with Right Now. yourself to me That was Mel Torme with Right Now. Craig Birkinshaw's been talking to me about his attitude, um, both relaxed on the outside, the veneer, uh, and in many ways that's so, but in business a bit more um, steely, which makes sense because he's built an extraordinarily successful business uh, called Audley Travel, which many of you probably have used or have heard of. The the other thing that strikes me is that obviously the, the business goes through transition. It changes and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And at some point, only about six years ago, you then have an investment from, I think, Equistone Partners Europe. They took a majority stake in the business um, uh, of 90 million, quid, 90 million pounds, I think, during a management buyout. Just tell me what it's like when someone, when you are engaged in that process, when you're thinking about investment and what it actually feels like once it's happened. Because it's strange for a founder, right? Because it's your baby. Yeah, you worry about it, and you've uh, you've heard lots of uh, horror stories and everything. So you've got to be uh, not to be sort of wary and uh, a bit cautious. But um, uh, that was uh, uh, turned out to be a really good point for the business. It gave us the opportunity to to really push the uh, push things into America and everything. And um, we always felt the American market looked like it was uh, underserved in the with the sort of tailor made custom trips. Uh, we used to look at the states and try and find good providers to see who was running, who, who was doing really well over there, and it was always a struggle, and they were always tiny, and we never really understood it. So we always saw that as a massive opportunity, um, but we didn't really want to just dive into that full on our, ourselves. So uh, this provided a route to to go for that. Uh, so maintaining uh, a full interest in it without uh, without having to do all that yourselves and to bring some new people in. And what's it like with the new people sitting there at the kitchen table of your business suddenly, strangers, effectively? Yeah, it's a little bit strange from uh, uh, from day one, but uh, uh, Phil and Joyce, the guys who came in uh, from Equistone, uh, I'm a bit of a believer in gut feeling on lots of things and everything, and they uh, uh, they seem like pretty normal, reasonable people. So, uh, uh, and it very much turned out to, turned out to be that way. So uh, uh, things went really well. They're just common sense, what we're doing, why we're doing it, and everything. It's just a pretty straightforward approach, which uh, for me was. Uh, uh, yeah, how I like it. It's great. And they gave you financial muscle to go and do the same in the States, essentially. That was the the major play at that point. Uh, yeah, they just wanted to uh, to roll with the ideas that the, the business had and, and, and to, to put those into action and go for it. And then they sell it their own share back in uh, 2015, I think. Um, and at that point, um, what happens, and that was a, for a significant amount um, uh, of money, what then happens to you? Where is your head? Because now it's, you know, you're 20 years on, You've had sort of two one, two levels of investment, if you like, and you are you then thinking, 
I think I've done what I can do on a day-to-day basis. Is that what's going through your head or was it not that at that point? Yeah, to some extent, I was wanting to do uh, to do different things. Around that time, I got involved with uh, with uh, We Charity through a, a friend at uh, Virgin. Virgin Atlantic were sponsoring some of their work down in uh, in Kenya. Uh, a friend said, uh, you've got to come and see this stuff that's happening in East Africa and everything. So I, I went down there and, uh, and got quite involved in that. So I spent a lot of my time now trying to work on the, uh, the the travel side. So they do development work, but we've opened it up so that we can actually send visitors through Audley or uh, uh, through uh, or, or directly, and they can go and uh, stay in places like Kenya, Ecuador, and India and uh, see some of this development work in action, learn about water projects and other things. But we've got uh, good accommodation there and everything and, and great food and things, so it's a pretty gentle experience but sort of deeply educational it sort of gets to another level which i i really like we're going to talk more about we.org and the five pillars of that of that uh what looks like an excellent charity that'll be coming up in my final chat with craig plus i'll be playing a track from a man who's performing at the royal albert hall on tuesday and will be given his jazz fm impact award on stage it's george benson with nature boy and he's up next jazz shapers on jazz fm in partnership with mishkondorea it's business, but it's personal. That was George Benson with Nature Boy, and I will be very luckily in the audience for him at the Royal Outbrook Hall next Tuesday. Just for a few more minutes, Craig Birkinshaw is my business shaper, um, co-founder of Audley, and we've been talking about that business and the extremely fantastic growth and and your exit sort of from it on a level tell me a little bit you're still involved on what in what way are you involved uh, i just have meetings every three or four, uh, three six months now and uh get involved in a pretty much on what you would probably technically call the strategic level so just the, the direction of things and where where the business is going so that allows me to stay interested in things that i'm particularly into which is customer services and the customer experience, really. So, Do you miss the, the buzz of the first trip to Vietnam? Do you miss the looking at the numbers on a monthly, quarterly and annual basis? Do you miss being super close to it? Uh, no, I'm more interested in the general direction of travel. So it, uh, uh, that allows you to take more of a sort of a two, three, five-year view and everything, which I which is always the way I prefer to look at it. I uh, I don't like month to month can be quite distracting really and you get buried in details that uh, if you're trying to think about where it's going you shouldn't really be looking too closely at that but it's hard not to get stuck in them and do they still listen to you in a way that you think you know they still slightly in in awe of the fact that you're the founder and you walk in the room and you knew it and you built it do you think there's a bit of that and is that a good thing Uh, i think in awe is probably a bit strong i think they uh, listen to you to a a reasonable extent but there's some uh, i don't know we would say this but some very smart people in there lots of people knew what they were doing um i technically in charge for a number of years and everything but uh, uh it is completely a teamwork thing and uh, a lot of the reason it was successful is uh, a lot of the people who came in were just damn good at what they did so, uh, so that that's that drives it at the end of the day mm. when you get the wrong person then you you pay for it and the other piece that you were talking about the we.org stuff uh, and you mentioned this this fabulous charity how did you get involved in the first place what was the entry point for you my friend uh uh was the other half of the CEO of Virgin Atlantic. So she'd been down to see the work being done in East Africa. So the, the Change for Children campaigns that you get on aeroplanes and everything, Virgin started that and the others sort of uh, jumped on board and, and copied the idea because it's a good one. Uh, she'd been down to see the work, what was actually happening with the money, uh, came back and uh, knew I was interested in sort of responsible travel angles and things. And I just got a text one day saying, you've got to get to East Africa and see this stuff that's going on down there. So I said, okay, yeah. And uh, 
set that up and, uh, and headed off down there with uh, one of the founders, uh, Craig Kielberger. And they talk about the five pillars, I mentioned them earlier, education, water, health, food and opportunity. Mm-hmm. For you, are they all interesting? Are you, are you able, with your unique experience and love of travel and love of different culture and things, are you able to contribute in, a, in one particular way? Is it, is it mainly, as you said, through the travel expertise and coordinating educate, educative uh, programs of people coming, or are there other things that you are particularly interested in? Uh, when I saw the development model, uh, the initial impressions were, were extremely positive. Uh, in order to be sort of thorough and careful, when I came back, I asked for uh, some third-party reporting to verify what I, what I thought I was seeing. Uh, so I read some reports from Northwestern University and, and other stuff like that to back it up, plus ask more questions. And then they, uh, the guys... Uh, the unusual thing is that we uh, have sort of lodges down uh, down in these locations where we host corporate sponsors, families who who support things, and and youth who've got involved. Because with, there are thousands of schools in the Weeder Org sort of network, I think three and a half thousand in the UK currently. Uh, so there are lots of people going down there and visiting and seeing the work in action and everything and learning about it. And I just felt I could really help in terms of. Uh, opening that up, up to a wider audience on the travel side. Mm. So you just, I just know from doing Audley for years that lots of people want to get a little bit more under the skin of these places and understand the nitty-gritty of day-to-day life. And this mm. uh, this was just like, wow, this is a, the perfect opportunity to uh, to deliver that to people. So I thought it's everybody wins, really. They get an educational deep experience. Um, the charity wins. They pay to go there. So uh, they make a bit of profit. That feeds back into the into the good stuff. We're going to run out of time, so just before I ask you your song choice, is there a place in the world you haven't been to yet and that you want to go to? And if, if so, why haven't you been yet, Craig? And when are you going to go? Where is it? Where is this place? Uh, well, the place I've probably been talking about and not getting around to is Madagascar. Um, I'm just fascinated by it generally. It's just a place that's got a ring to it and a fascination. I'm slightly put off because I think there have been some uh, environmental degradation problems there and everything, but uh, I think I need to, uh, need to get down there pretty soon, yeah. Vanilla beans. I'm a bit worried about what I'm going to see in terms of some of the environmental stuff, but uh, that's not a reason not to go. Madagascar is on his menu. Craig, thank you so much for for sharing with me your story, as it were. Just before I let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? Uh, I I like a bit of jazz and everything, but I don't know vast amounts of it. And the song that's always sort of caught my eye if it pops on the radio or something is uh, Take Take Five. I think that's Dave Brubeck, isn't it? Uh, and that's just one that's just always sort of been around. And uh, if you go into my playlist and everything, uh, it's mainly Oasis and stuff like that. But uh, that's uh, that's always been in there. Fabulous, Craig. Here it is, just for you. Thank you. That was the song choice of my business shaper today, Craig Birkinshaw. A love of the unknown is what introduced him to the world of travel. Going with his gut is what he followed all the way through his adventure through the growth of the orderly travel business. And finally, a really simple mantra for anyone that has a customer. Fix it fast, ask questions later. How simple is that? You can hear our conversation with Craig all over again when you want to on iTunes. Just put in the words jazz and shapers or ask Alexa to play jazz shapers. We're back next Saturday morning from nine with more conversation with a business shaper. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoyed that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or head over to mishkondorea.com forward slash jazz shapers.